Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with our very own Pastor Isaac Roman in a message entitled, The Undeserved Life. Enjoy this message. Well, why don't you remain standing? Why don't, we just, why don't we just lift our hands all over the place tonight? And let's honor God this morning. Let's just pray. Come on, just begin to open up your mouth. Our sermon series is uh, The Undeserved, and how many of you here tonight are undeserved of God's grace and God's mercy on our lives? Come on, open up your mouth. Father, we just thank you, Lord, in this moment. Father, in this moment, we acknowledge, God, Lord, our undeservedness, God, of your grace and of your mercy. And Father, even in this moment, God, we acknowledge, Father, that all that we have, the blessing and the grace, God, that we walk in, is all because of you, all because of your, your kindness and your goodness. And so, Father, tonight we honor you. We give you the highest position, the highest place in this house. And, Father, we just pray by your Holy Spirit you'd continue the work that you've already begun. Father, let it move in each and every one of us. Let it change and transform us. Father, let us not go home the same way that we came. Let us be transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. The saints of God said amen. Amen, amen. Come on. Give God some praise like you mean it. There it is. All right, yeah. You're welcome to be seated. You know, sometimes we just need a little bit of, a little bit extra, little nudge there uh, to, to get it out. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see each and every one of you. It's good to be with all of you. I'm excited for tonight. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the undeserved life. And uh, I believe that I am living, uh, absolutely living an undeserved life. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk, really, uh, the title of my message would be, uh, ruin to redemption, ruin to redemption, and uh, we're going to look at the book of Romans, and uh, not, we're going to look at the whole book, all right, so just strap in, we'll be here for a while, I'm, I'm joking, oh, I'm just playing, but, um, but we're going to look at that, and uh, I just believe that God is going to minister to us, God's going to help us, and uh, we're, we're going to get, uh, we're going to kind of get right into this, and so um, the book of Romans uh, and I'll just kind of give some context. We say this around here. Uh, uh, Pastor Rob, Rabbi Rob, our teacher uh, in, in the house, uh, he, he often says that there's no text without context. So you need context so you understand what's going on. Now, the book of Romans is, uh, uh, some would say, some, some theologians and those that are way smarter than I am, they would say that uh, the book of Romans is a summarized gospel message, okay? And so really, uh, if, if you know anything about the book of Romans, you'll see that uh, we pull a lot of our theology from the book of Romans. And so Paul is writing uh, this letter to the church in Rome. And uh, one of the things that I thought is really interesting about this is that uh, if you know anything about history, you, you'll know that Rome was a vile society. Yes? You guys hear them? They're talking to production. So Rome, Rome was a vile society, okay? So, so it was made up of uh, social injustice. It was made up of, uh, of, of um, a broken government. And, uh, uh, and, and the people that inhabited that, you know, Rome were vile people. They were, uh, they, they were, uh, they were sinners for sure. I mean, uh, you know, there was orgies going on. They were, uh, they, they were, they were very educated people. So they, uh, you know, they thought they were smarter than, than everyone else and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, so Paul writes this letter to the, to the Roman church. And, and I thought it's interesting that he doesn't acknowledge any of the social injustices or any of the, necessarily any of the sin that's going on in Rome. Instead, all he does is preaches the gospel message. I, I, I want to tell, tell you today that uh, given our political climate, given the things that are going on, the gospel is still the answer. I'll say that again. The gospel is still the answer. And so, so sometimes we get kind of caught up in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in politics or sometimes we get kind of caught up in these kind of, uh, I, I call them peripheral conversations. They're things that are going on kind of way on the fringe side. But if we just stay, if we stay uh, stuck or we stay with the gospel message, I believe that it could change this world. It could change this nation. It could change your life. Yes? All right. Okay. So, so here's the book of Romans. And um, I'm just going to kind of give a, a, a quick overview. So Romans, uh, my, my core text is going to be Romans 12, uh, 1 through 8, and it's very, very familiar. But before we get there, 
I want, to, I want us to look at Romans, and there's kind of three kind of highlights that I want us to understand about the book of Romans until, before I get into my message. So the first thing is this, that Romans, the letter that Paul writes to the church of Rome, uh, calls us to measure ourselves by a divine rather than human standard. Okay, so uh, the Romans, I believe, thought that they were doing pretty good because they were comparing themselves to themselves, opposed to comparing themselves to the divine standard, which is the gospel, which is the law of Moses, right? Or, or, or God's holy order. And I think, I, I wonder how many of us sometimes could, uh, could forget uh, that God has called us to be holy because He's holy. And, and so oftentimes we can kind of get uh, uh, deceived in our own selves thinking that, uh, that, that we're doing okay because uh, we're, you know, we have the right intentions and things like that. Uh, I, I love, uh, Stephen Covey says it this way. He says that, uh, that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their behavior. And uh, how hypocritical is that? That, uh, that, that uh, I'm with you. That, uh, that oftentimes you're judging other people's actions. You're judging other people's what they're doing. And then uh, when it comes to you or when it comes to ourselves, we say, well, I intended to do the right thing, although I didn't do it. I intended to do the right thing. So therefore, I feel better about myself. But evil, evil sinner is that other person. And so Romans calls us to measure ourselves uh, uh, justly, okay? And uh, the, the Bible says that, uh, that those that measure out using unjust scales are abominable to, to the Lord. And so think about this as you're, as you're thinking about others, as uh, your coworkers and, and those, uh, your, your friends, your enemies, your frenemies, all of those, think about these things that we need to judge ourselves and weigh ourselves equally according to the word of God, okay? So 2 Corinthians ten twelve says it this way. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves, this is us, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So we have to, we, we, we have to really understand and measure ourselves to God's standards and not human standards. That's, first, that's the first thing. The second thing that Romans calls us to do is live a life of faith. Live a life of faith, okay? So rather than uh, seeing the things that are in front of us, we choose to live our lives in faith. We, we choose to, to believe God and believe his promises, and we walk not by sight, but by faith, and, and, and we trust God in these things, all right? The last thing that Romans calls us to do is to dedicate ourselves to God rather than living self-centeredly. And so, uh, so God has called us to, to walk this life out in faith, not by sight, but by faith. And then lastly, calls us to live, our, live, live this life not for ourselves, not self-centered, but other-centeredness, okay? So for, for others, all right? So that's really the, the context of Romans, uh, uh, the book of Romans as, as, it, as it is. So I would summarize the message of Romans this way. That since God mercifully and graciously provided salvation for helpless sinners through his son, that's you and I, we should accept that sacrifice by faith and express our gratitude. Now, I'm not going to preach about gratitude. Pastor Omar is going to cover that for us on Sunday. But we should express our gratitude to God by dedicating our lives to him. That, 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 that's the logical order in these things, right? That, that God, uh, uh, we are helpless and hopeless sinners, that God, uh, through his plan of salvation, uh, made a way for us to be uh, justified and, and in right set with God. And because of that, naturally, our gratitude should move us to a place to dedicating our lives back to him. Now, uh, there's a, the, my, my parents, uh, my, my parents raised me and my siblings in, in, in the church and the things of God. And I remember oftentimes, uh, and I hated this, my dad would come to me, uh, usually when I'm in trouble, you know, it's one of those like sit down and talk kind of situations. And uh, uh, he would, you know, he would kind of go through the, the, the correction and the discipline and all that kind of stuff. But he would always say this, he would say that your life is your greatest testimony. Your life is your greatest testimony. What you do with your life is your greatest testimony. And so again, it's not about our intentions, it's about our actions. And so what we do in this life 
is our greatest testimony to the mercy and the grace and the power of God in each and every one of our lives. So living our life, giving our time, talents, treasures, and testimony that our thoughts and words and actions would be a powerful testimony for Jesus. And so we got to live this thing out, right? And, and, uh, and, and through our life and through our actions, people will glorify God and see God in us. Now, uh, so here, here's our text, Romans 12, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it a little bit slower because what happens is when we become so familiar with things, we just move right through it really fast, right? Because even I'm sure all of you or many of you are saying, yeah, yeah, we already know that. Uh, but I'm going to read it slow, okay? And then we're going to talk, uh, talk about this. So Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. And uh, there's a couple of different translations that I'm going to slow down and kind of read. Uh, just so that we ha- we understand fully what Paul is talking about. Now, from Romans 1 through 11, he's walking us through the brokenness of humanity, all right? And then he's also walking us through the plan of salvation, all right? And the mercy of God. Uh, Paul is telling us that we're dead in our sins and we're helpless and hopeless. And there was, there was, there was nothing good in humanity. And in spite of all of that, God had mercy and grace for us, and he made a way for us to be in right standing with him. So he walks us through this in the first 11 chapters of Romans. He's walking through this, and then this is what he says. He connects all of those things that he was saying. He connects them just like this. He says, and so, or he says, therefore, or he says, uh, uh, because of all of this stuff that I just said, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Another, uh, the, the uh, NIV version says it this way. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, so again, because I've said all of these things, I appeal to you, therefore, I'm pleading with you, Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The New King James Version says it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable response because of God's mercy, because of what God has done for you. It's a reasonable response that you would give your lives to him wholeheartedly dedicated for his service. It's a logical, this is kind of a logical conversation here. Uh, the, 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 the Passion Translation, for those of you that like that, it says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Question mark. What should be our proper response? God has saved us. God has blessed us. All of us are doing better than we deserve. And so because of that, what is our proper response to God other than to give him everything that we got? Goes on to say, verse number two, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, right? Using just scales in your assessment of yourself, of ourselves, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We are responsible to each other and we're responsible for each other. We're we're, we're interconnected here. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so uh, 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 I've been measured out a certain amount of grace in my life. You've been measured out a certain amount of grace in your life. And in accordance to that, uh, uh, we're, we're, to, we're to live these things out and, and, and God has given us these different gifts. So he goes on to say this, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. 
If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so here, here it is that, uh, that Paul is laying this out for us. And, I, you know, as I, as I studied this, uh, and, and some of you may know this, that uh, that first chapter, or I'm sorry, that first verse, that there are theologians and people much smarter than me that have written uh, 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 um, uh, volumes of what Paul is saying here. I'm not going to even try to get into all of that, but understand that this, this kind of passage here is full of God's grace. It's full of God's mysteries in it. And so the first thing that I want to acknowledge in this undeserved life is I want to acknowledge that humanity is absolutely ruined. Without Christ, we are absolutely ruined. We're broken and we are absolutely helpless. And in and, and Paul's letter, he looks, he looks right dead in the eye of our brokenness. And he begins to point it out. If you read verses uh, chapters 1 through about uh, uh, chapters 3, you see the brokenness of humanity. Uh, Paul is calling it out that there is nothing good in any one of us without Christ. We are absolutely hopeless, broken, and there's nothing good in us. And, uh, and, Paul, and Paul just lays it out there. And so I, I want to share with you uh, a story of my own brokenness. And I have a picture that, uh, that they could show up. And I'm going to kind of speak uh, a little bit tonight about, uh, about my own personal testimony and, 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 and my path to finding God. Now, um, Maybe you guys, yeah, I'm sure you guys, so that, that's me right there. And uh, I'm probably, uh, I'm, I'm probably about 15 years old right there. Now, a little bit about, uh, a little bit about my life. And um, me, me, some of you may know that I was raised in church. My parents were both pastors. Uh, but uh, at nine years old, uh, at nine years old, I walked into the backyard. My brother was there hanging out. My brother was four years older than me. Uh, and I, was, I walked into the backyard, and they were smoking weed. And at, at nine years old, I took my first hit of a joint, okay? And uh, now, uh, after that, uh, uh, you know, years after that, I didn't know what happened. I actually fell down. It was, uh, you know, and everyone's laughing at me. I, I, I don't think it was that funny. But, uh, but that wasn't like my introduction to, to drugs and to partying and things like that. Fast forward probably around junior high, I started smoking cigarettes, started, uh, started drinking alcohol, uh, like ditching, uh, ditch, ditch parties and all that kind of stuff. And uh, ultimately, I, uh, I, I became addicted to methamphetamine, to speed, all right? And I was a tweaker. Now, this is kind of like, uh, this is kind of like my heyday uh, in, in that lifestyle. And the brokenness and, and, and the thing that's so sad is that I had the benefit of a, of a healthy home. I had the benefit even of the, of the gospel message in my life. But it wasn't enough. And it really, it really affirms what Paul is saying that even, even though you had every advantage in life, it doesn't matter because the brokenness of humanity will just take you all the way down. Given to our own desires, given to our own things, there, there's, just, there's no helping us other than the power of God in our lives. Okay, so, uh, so, so this picture. Uh, so, uh, so, I, I, so I got into drugs pretty heavily. Um, and uh, um, uh, so, so here, just a couple of people that I want to point out. Um, first of all, uh, this gentleman right here, to, uh, that would be to my right. Uh, that's my cousin, and this is this is kind of sad. Uh, every single one of these people in here are my family. Okay, so uh, we are, we are thick as thieves. These are all my cousins. Uh, this gentleman here to the right, uh, his name is uh, his name is Joe, and that's my cousin JoJo. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, last year he passed uh, of an overdose, and uh, he passed of an overdose of, of fentanyl. And I'm thinking about the brokenness of of humanity. I'm thinking about. Uh, all of these people here, and I think about Joe, my cousin Jojo, that uh, he knew the Lord, uh, but, but the brokenness and, and his lack of surrendering and his lack of, uh, of pursuing God led him to a lifestyle that was just absolutely destructive. I think about, uh, so I, I look at a couple of other uh, people here. I look at my other cousin here on the far, on the far left. 
um, uh, a life of, of alcoholism uh, led him to a, a car accident on, on, a, uh, uh, on a freeway. Uh, he, was, uh, uh, he was kind of confused and didn't know what was going on. He got out of the car, uh, started walking on the freeway, was hit by a vehicle, and he's now amputated. He now ha- has a leg ampu- uh, amputated. Um, uh, all, of these, all of these folks here, all, all, of, all of us, um, went through this, this, this really broken life. And, and the sad thing is that every single one of us knew the gospel message. And it wasn't enough. We wanted what we wanted. And that is the sin. That is humanity. That's the ruin of humanity is that we would just continue to pursue the things that we want, uh, regardless of the advantages, regardless even of the knowledge, uh, without the experience or the encounter of the power of God. So you, guys, you, could, you could take that, that picture down. And so, uh, so, here, so Paul's talking about the brokenness of humanity, and he kind of talks about two different people. Uh, so if, if you know anything about Paul, Paul was called to the Gentiles. These are the people that, uh, uh, that these are the, like the real sinners, right, according to the religious people. And so these are the people that don't know anything about the gospel. They don't know anything about the law of Moses, right? And so, uh, so Paul is speaking to them. And even to, to, to these people, he says that, you know, that all creation, look at creation, and creation declares the existence and the glory of God. And so really what, what Paul is saying is that there's no excuse whether you had the advantage of, of knowing the gospel or not. You could simply look around and see by intelligent design the way that the, the, way that the world works that there is a creator. And for you to deny him is sin. Now, Paul also talks about the other people, and these are the Jews, right? And really, I would, I would like to kind of point the, or, or connect the dots. Uh, yes, they are Jewish people. He's talking about those that uh, had the promise, had the law, and all that kind of stuff. But fast forward to modern day uh, uh, life. Uh, that would be the church folks. That would be all of us, okay? Uh, that would be us, our, the religious folks that know the goodness of God, that know the power of God, that know the truth of God, yet deny it and live, live our lives according to our own fleshly desires. This is the brokenness and the ruin of humanity. Are you guys with me? So, so this is how Paul concludes. He says that there is none righteous, no, not one, that all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so this is the ruin of humanity. We are all broken and helpless, and we need a Savior. The second thing I want to talk about is mercy. And this is, I said, uh, I said the ruin is the brokenness of humanity. Mercy is going to be the road. Okay, mercy is going to be the road. And so this is the road in which we start moving towards salvation. We start moving towards a reconciliation with the Lord. And so according to the Bible, we've all sinned. And as a result of that sin, we all deserve death. Okay, so, so we all deserve death. This is what we're talking about, the undeserved life, that you're here living and breathing. You actually even enjoyed some of the pleasures of life today, yes? I mean, maybe you had, uh, maybe you had some tacos or something like that, or maybe you were hanging out with your family. I mean, you, you got to really enjoy life today, yes, some of us. All right, the rest of you guys that are Got your face all crunched up. Not yet, but maybe, maybe you'll be able to, to, to enjoy something. Like, but listen, we don't deserve any of that. We deserve nothing good. We deserve death. And so given what we deserve, every day we live, every single day, every moment, every breath that I breathe is an act of God's mercy. This is, we, have to, we, we have to kind of settle this right now in our, in our minds that everything that we have, every, uh, every blessing, even, even the trials, is a mercy of God on our lives. See, um, uh, 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 David understood this. He says, uh, he, he, says, uh, he, says, he says it this way. Um, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. See, David understood the brokenness and without God that he, he was absolutely hopeless. And so, uh, so pleading for God's mercy is asking him to show his kindness and withhold judgment that we deserve. So one man defines mercy this way. A ready inclination to relieve the misery 
of fallen creatures. One, another guy says it this way, God's uh, mercy is God's goodness towards those in misery and distress. How many of us were in misery and distress before we met God? And so the Bible's full of scriptures that talk about our creator as a merciful, loving, compassionate God. Psalms 145 says it this way, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. And so the Bible describes his mercy as great, as abundant. His mercy is tender. His mercy is everlasting. Paul calls him the father of mercies. You see, each and every one of us, we deserve death and destruction. But, but God was merciful to us. And, and instead of giving us what, he, what we deserved, he gave us mercy in place. I think about mercy, I was, I was making jokes about this. Um, the mercy that God has given each and every one of us, uh, God has given it to us so that we would be able, he's, he's given us our measure of mercy so that we could serve out a measure of mercy to other, to other people. Right, the people in your life, you could, you could serve out mercy. You could not pay them back and not give them what they deserve, but instead of giving them what they deserve, you could give them compassion. You could give them love. You could give them understanding. See the, the, see, the power in mercy is that it could be reciprocated. So as God has given us mercy, now I know what that's like. Now I understand that. Now I've been a benefactor of that. And now I could serve that back out to somebody else. So... King David understood the mercy of God. Some of you may know the story in 2 Samuel um, that, that David uh, goes and he counts his, his men, right? And, and really what this is, is he's, he's, uh, he, he's, he's kind of proud or he's kind of arrogant of his military successes. And so kind of like as a badge of honor, as he's beating his chest, he goes out and counts all of his men. Now, he wasn't supposed to do that. And and uh, and there's there's a uh, uh, there, there's a judgment on David's life, and and uh, you may know that there was some options given to him, but uh, but this is ultimately what what happens when the prophet Gad comes to him, and 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 gives him this direction or this discipline. Uh, his response: This is David in First Chronicles twenty one thirteen says, "I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord." For his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Why is that? Because God is merciful and man is not. God is merciful, but man is not. And so God is a merciful God. Uh, unfortunately, often we use his mercy and abuse it. Uh, and, 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 and we live this, we live this life uh, like, like, you know, like we're untouchable. Um, what one guy said it this way, to, to sin because mercy abounds is the devil's logic. I'll say that one more time. To sin because mercy is abound or because God's merciful to us is the devil's logic. If you continue to do the things, Paul says this, do the things that you, uh, that, that you know you're not supposed to do, right? Or, or do the things that God has delivered you from and you go back to those things. And you think, well, God is merciful. God is gracious. Yes, he is. But, but to do that is the devil's logic. I, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? And so uh, Ro Romans 2, 4 says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? I'll ask you that. Do you think, do, do you think like that? Do, do you think lightly of God's grace and God's mercy on your life? Do you think, well, God, you know, he understands my heart. We talked about that last month, the heart. Uh, so do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So this mercy is supposed to lead us to repentance, not lead us down a, a life of continued sin in our lives. Now, how many of us, how many of us are, are happy that mercy triumphs over judgment? James says that mercy triumphs over judgment. So uh, uh, the things that you've done in your life, the things that you've done in your life, the payment for that is, uh, is judgment and not mercy, but because God is kind and gracious and compassionate, his mercy triumphs 
over judgment. Lamentations uh, chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 says that his mercies are renewed every morning. How many of you are thankful that his mercies are renewed every single morning? My goodness, I need that every single day. Every single day I wake up in the, in the morning, I say, my goodness, God, I need your mercy. I need it to be renewed today because I'm a mess up. I need the power of God in my life. I need that bumper of mercy in my life because I know that I'm living a life that I'm completely undeserved of. And so it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions never fail or fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's faithful. He's faithful when we're not. His mercies are there uh, when we, we, we just don't deserve them. So we went from, from ruin, the brokenness of humanity, and now we are on this road with mercy, ultimately to redemption, which is grace. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? Now mercy, what mercy means is that we don't get what we deserve. We don't get judgment. We don't get death. We don't get eternal hellfire. That's mercy, okay? Grace is God's unmerited favor. That's how it's defined. Or it's God's blessing on your life. Now there's functional kind of different ways that grace uh, moves in our lives. And I'll, I'll talk about that. But grace is redemption. This is how we're redeemed. Romans 3.24 says, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so the only way that we're redeemed is to be in Christ Jesus. So we deserve nothing good from God. We're all living a life that is undeserved. And God doesn't owe us any good thing. So what good we experience is strictly a result of God's grace on your life. Every, every good thing that you could point to in your life is strictly based on the grace of God on your life. It's not, it's not because you figured it out. It's not because you're smart. It's not because you're educated. It's not because you got a good break. It is strictly, it is strictly determined by the grace of God on your life. It's nothing that you've done on your own. So God favors us. He shows his approval and his kindness to us and blessing us with good things that we don't deserve or could ever earn. Now we can put up the other picture. So I think about my life and I think about, I didn't deserve, yeah, you like that? This is my family plus Omar. Omar's my brother, all right? But I think about this. I, I, I said that I'm living a life that I absolutely am undeserved of because the choices that I made, the actions that I did, uh, uh, the, the complete rejection of God in my life and the decisions that I made, I, I deserve nothing but eternal hellfire. The people that I hurt, uh, uh, the people that I, I led astray, I, all of these things, it's, it's absolutely horrible. But for me to reflect on my life and see the grace of God on my life, that I'm uh, happily married to my beautiful wife, right? That I'm graced to be able to be a father to four, to, to four wonderful children. That I have a community of people around me. I, I, I left Omar in this picture because that's my brother. All right? And, 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 and I just think about the community of people that God has surrounded me with. I'm doing better than I deserve. I'm doing better than I deserve. Uh, we have my mother-in-law in there too. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. 2 Peter verses 1, 2 through 3 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we see that the grace of God is more than salvation. Now we appreciate obviously salvation, okay? But it's not just for us to be saved. That, that's not where it ends. That's actually where it begins, right? When we come to this knowledge of Christ, and we, we come to this knowledge of, yeah, I'm a broken person, and I, uh, uh, the only reason I'm still breathing today is the mercy of God. And then we come to this knowledge of salvation in God, and this is the grace of God. So uh, the definition of grace could be God's life power and righteousness given to us 
by unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. We can't, we, we can't earn it. But it's God's giving. It's God's grace. It's God's gift. And so it's through, through grace that God works effective change in our hearts in our lives. Going back to Romans, uh, uh, Romans 12, 2, right? The renewing and the changing of our lives and not, not living our lives according to the pattern of this world. Um, it, it, this is the grace that causes effective change in our hearts and our lives. And so grace gives us a new life, which is not condemned by God, but through God's grace, we're forgiven, transformed in our thinking, and resulting in a renewal of our mind and our heart. So we are new creations. We're new creations in this. So the functions of grace could be defined like this. So the first one is a saving grace. This is salvation, okay? And uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You didn't do anything. Uh, Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's important that we understand that God's grace uh, was given to us to be saved. It's not by works. It's a free gift. Okay, so the second grace is a justifying grace. So we're now justified by the grace of God. So Romans 3, verses, uh, verse 24 says, Being justified as a, uh, as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So we've now been justified uh, by His grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. The next grace is a sanctifying grace. Now, this is a grace that is progressive and ongoing, okay? I'm, I am being sanctified every single day. I, my, my, my decisions, my thoughts, uh, my responses, uh, God, please sanctify me every single day. It's a, it's a process of sanctification for each and every one of us. Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in truth. And so uh, sanctification is the process. Each and every one of us are walking through this journey, okay, on this road uh, of redemption. We're walking through this journey to be set aside uh, for the purposes of God, okay? So we're being sanctified for what purpose? To be holy so that we could kind of like stand around and shine our halos and point fingers at someone else? No, you're being sanctified so that you could be set aside and used for God's purpose, so, so the last thing is, is this, is the empowering grace. The grace that comes to empower us to do what God has called each and every one of us to do. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so today I, I, today I stand here, and, and not that I'm anything significant, but whatever I am, it's by the grace of God. Same for you. What, whatever you are, I believe that you're a good, you're a good Christian, you're a, a good leader, you're a good individual, you're a good friend. It's not by anything that you've done, it's strictly by the grace of God. So by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain. Listen to this, listen to this. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So what he's saying is that Everything that I am today is, is, is strictly by the grace of God. And the grace of God is not, was not vain uh, in use on me, but it's empowered me to labor for him and to do the work that God has called each and every one of us to do. I wonder today if the grace of God, the measure of grace that's been measured out for you, has been measured out in vain. Are you dedicating your life? Are you fully devoted? Are you moving? Are you being sanctified? Are you being set apart, being set aside for the, for the work of God in, in your life? This is a question that we all have to, we all have to ask ourselves. And so in this, in this empowering grace, lastly, it brings us to, to a service to others. God empowers us to serve others. Others. It's not about ourselves. It's not about what we could, uh, what what we could accomplish. It's not about what we could amass. I'll share a story here in closing. I was at the gym today, and uh, there's there's like a, a gym buddy, like the, the same guy that you see every single day. If if you're consistent, you see that that person. So I saw this guy, a young man, and uh, uh, and and, um, and we were talking. We started talking. We've been talking, and we started talking. He asked me what I did for a living. 
And uh, I, I shared with him, I, you know, my, my job and that, um, uh, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and we started talking about kind of the conversation started to, uh, to evolve. And, uh, and then he, he, uh, he uh, we're talking about sales and we're talking about kind of uh, what, what, what are our future goals and all that stuff. So I told him, I, I, I eventually told him, well, uh, you know, I'm an assistant pastor and I just really feel like my life has been called or set aside to help other people. And so th- this, is, this is kind of the natural progression that I've made in my career to help other people and, and things like that. And so, so he, he responded to me and he, he asked me if I had ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy. Has anyone ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I never heard of it. Um, so he starts talking to me about this and, and Maslow's hierarchy just really briefly uh, goes this way. You guys can start playing. Yeah, you're welcome to play. I was wondering when, when, when I was going to get that, that little bit of music here. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy is this, and it's, it's five levels. I, I can't remember exactly, but it goes something like this. The first four levels are about self-preservation. And what it, what, what it is, is like the first thing is like primitive. So it's like, uh, you know, food, shelter, uh, that kind of stuff. Okay, the second, uh, the second step is like safety. So are you secure? Do you have a home? Do you have, you know, all that kind of stuff? And then it kind of progressively goes like, it's like emotional needs, it's community and like all of that kind of stuff, right? And then the fifth one, which is like this level of self-realization or actualization, right? This is, this finally when you get to that level, then you can start like helping other people. And he, he walked me through that and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm thinking this is so contradictory to what Jesus says. Because Jesus says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink. But, but, Je- but Jesus says in John 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I'll just stop right there. So Jesus just washed his disciples' feet and he's saying, look, uh, exactly what I've done in serving others, you go do that. And I was thinking about the, 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 the thought patterns in Romans 12, 2, thinking about the thought patterns and, 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 and the ways of this world and how it's flipped so upside down that we would worry about securing ourselves first before we could help anybody else. When God has called us, God has graced us, God has empowered us to be other, uh, to be other people centered, right? To, to serve other people before anything else. And so service to others and serving practically, I, I, I think it's, it's as simple as this, that we become the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, the feet of Jesus is those that are willing to move for God. Right, uh, we, you know Abraham. That the word of the Lord came to Abraham and, and told him to go, and he went. Right, uh, uh, you, you know the story of of Jonah. He was told to go to Nineveh. He kind of made a, you know, kind of kind of turned the wrong way, but ultimately went to Nineveh, and 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 he did what what God told him to do. Uh, uh, Ruth, uh, God, the word of the Lord came to Ruth that uh, that she would leave her own family and serve her mother-in-law, and she went with Naomi. This is being the feet of Jesus, practically serving God and being quick to move, quick to respond as God calls us to move. The last thing is being the hands of Jesus. And I think about this, it's so practically, this is how, this is how simple it is. See, when we get together, sometimes people, they're looking for like really, really deep thinking and things like that. And I appreciate so much our pastor. He says, uh, he says this often to us. He says that uh, we are naturally supernatural. See, everything that I'm talking about tonight, the grace of God, right? The mercy of God, God's empowering grace on us to be able to serve other people. That is the gospel. Uh, we, we could talk about a lot of other things. We could talk about a lot of other cool things. But this is, this, this is, this is it, is that we would serve other people. That naturally in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, as God's mercies are renewed every single morning that we wake up, as we walk out our, our salvation, as, as we live our lives as the greatest testimony that we could ever live, that we are naturally supernatural. So as hands, uh, as hands of, of God, uh, this, is, this, this is how I serve my neighbor, is that I love my neighbor as myself, that I, that I treat people uh, the right way, that I, that I esteem them higher than, I, than, than myself, that we take care of the poor, 
that we take care of the less fortunate, that we, that we go and do that, that we feed the hungry, that we clothe the needy. This is how we become the hands of Jesus in practically serving other people, being hospitable to strangers. Do you, do you open up your house and invite people in and break bread with people? Do you, uh, do, do you take the time to care for other people? Do you forgive others? That's a tough one. Do you promote justice and mercy? Think about this. Do you pray for the sick? Do you take the opportunity to pray for the sick and see that they're recovered? See, this is the practical call to service and the empowering power of God, the empowering grace of God. My, my wife says this often about serving, and we just had a, a, a message on Sunday about serving. Um, but in service, uh, my wife says this all the time, that serving heals the heart. And oftentimes we're so consumed with our own stuff, our own uh, uh, situations, right, that we miss the opportunity to serve others. And so we're so concerned and focused on ourselves and we see the brokenness and, and all of the insecurities and all of that kind of stuff. But if we would just kind of get out of our way, out of our own way, and, and focus on others and serve others, you would see that the healing and the power of God would be kind of unleashed on your life. And so in closing, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you would just bow your head and close your eyes and consider, consider some of the things that, I, that I've talked about. You know, the first thing that I want to reiterate or emphasize is that uh, uh, God has given us mercy. God has given us grace. We were broken, helpless, and hopeless before, before we encountered God. And God has given us mercy and grace. And like Paul said, the grace that was measured out on his life wasn't in vain because it moved him to service. It moved him to labor even more than any else, anyone else is what he said. And so is your life a testimony of God's grace and mercy? Is it practically being, being able to be lived out or are others seeing Christ in the way that you live your life? Or are, is your life bringing glory to God or do you kind of hide uh, what, what you're doing? Do you kind of you know, do you kind of stay in the shadows opposed to living this life uh, on display for the world so that God's grace would be able to be evident in our lives? So I, I want to I talk to, to, to two different groups of people tonight and, and as, we, uh, as we go to this altar call. Uh, the, the, first, the first group of people are, are those, maybe you're, you're here tonight and you say, well, Pastor Isaac, I um, either... You know, I, I, I don't really know exactly all, this, all these things that you're talking about. I kind of hear what you're saying. Yeah, helping people is a good thing. But this brokenness and this sin and this helplessness, that's kind of where I'm at, where, uh, where I, I just kind of living my life however, I, however I, I feel like it, and it's not really gotten me anywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I, I'm just, I feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions. And, 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 and I'm broken and I need some direction. If, if that's, that's you tonight, I want to speak to you specifically. If that's you tonight, I'm here to tell you that Christ is here. And Christ wants to guide you. Christ wants to come into your life and give you direction. Christ wants to come into your life and give you purpose. You may be kind of aimlessly going through life. But Jesus Christ and the power of God, the grace of God is here. And wants to empower you and give you purpose. Sanctify you and set you apart for his purpose. And so if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I, I'm not living for God. I, my, my, my life is kind of, kind of a mess right now. And I just need the grace of God in my life. If that's you tonight, I want you just to lift your hand real quick. We, I, I want to give an opportunity for you to respond to, to, this, to this message. I want you, I, I see hands going up there in the back. And these are honest hearts. These are people saying, I need God in my life. Anybody else? I just take, I'm just going to take a, a few moments here. Anybody else? You say, I, I'm not living for God. I see hands going up. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Anybody else? We, we, we're going to take some time here. This is, this is important. Anybody else? Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, uh, kind of like Paul was saying, um, uh, that, that I know God. I, I know the power of God. I've experienced the power of God in my life. Uh, but, but I've kind of trampled all over that. 
I've not taken the grace and the, and the mercy of God and I've not taken that to empower my life and to live out a life of holiness. I've actually kind of trampled on the mercy and the grace of God. And I need to make that right with God. If, if that's you here tonight, I want you to lift your hand. We want to be, uh, we want to get you in on, on, on this prayer. God is here. The grace of God is here. It says, the Bible says that, that his mercies are renewed every morning. I see hands going up there. His mercies are renewed every morning. And the grace of God is here. And it's not to condemn you, but to reconcile you, to, to bring you back into right standing with God. Before I, move, before I change the order of service, I just want to ask, give the opportunity one more time. Maybe you're out there, you're saying, you know, I, I don't know God. I'm not living for God. Or I once was living for God and I'm way off course and I need to come back. Anybody else? Just lift your hand real fast. Anybody at all? All right. So those of you that, that, lift, that lifted your hand, if you would just kind of look up at me. I, I, I saw hands over here, back over here. I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm gonna ask you just to get out of your seat and come and meet me uh, right here. Just, just come on, just without thinking about it. Just, we're gonna clap for you. Just get out of your seat and just meet me right here. We're gonna pray together. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Come on. I saw more hands. I, I, we just want to give the opportunity. Come on. If you raise, if you raise your hand, just co- just come down. Come on. Don't even think about it. Just come down. We're gonna keep on clapping for you. Come on. God is good. God is God's grace. God's mercy is here. Amen. Before, before we pray, anybody else? Is there anybody else that wants to be in, be a part of this? You just say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm lost. I need God. Anybody else? Honest hearts here. Honest hearts here. All right. Well, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray with you guys if that's okay. You, you can come a little bit closer. We're, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, and 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 the prayer is 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 really this: acknowledging that we're broken without God, and that we need a Savior, that we need God. And the Bible says that uh, He doesn't reject any one of us. But that he'll he'll come and he'll 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 make his home. He'll abide in your life. And so, whatever situation you're you're facing, God will give you grace. All right, God will God will work it out. All right. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you in prayer. I'm gonna say some words. I'm gonna ask you to repeat those words. Repeat them out loud. You're not you're not saying the prayer to me, but you're saying it to God. This is a personal decision that you're making. I believe that the grace of God and the power of God is gonna come on you tonight. All right. So as I pray, I'm gonna ask you to repeat. Say, Father. I acknowledge that I'm sinful and I need a savior. And I ask you to come into my life and make your home in my heart. I dedicate my life to you, to your service. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So I wanna, I wanna talk to, to all of us, the rest of us couple things. Uh, number one is what, what are you doing with the grace of God, with the measure of grace that God has kind of measured out for you? What are you doing? For, what are you doing with that? Now, I know that there's some of you that you'd say, I'm, I'm living for God. I'm, I'm serving, I'm serving God. But there's others of you that are out here saying, I'm, I'm kind of not really doing that. And I need to make a, I, I need to make a recommitment to live my life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, worthy of the call, worthy of the grace. Uh, one man says it this way, that the problem with the living sacrifice is that it can walk off the altar. And maybe some of us, maybe we made a commitment to live our lives a living sacrifice, but life gets in the way and we kind of walk it off, walked off that altar. If that's you tonight, I want you just to get out of your seat and come and meet me right down here at the altar and just pray. We, we want to pray that uh, this is a, a, a really a uh, an, an opportunity to recommit our lives, to recommit our lives in service. Come on, get out, get out of your seat if you would. This is this is an opportunity to respond to God, as God has ministered to you, as the Holy Spirit has ministered to you. They're going to lead us in, in a song of worship, but just find your place here at the altar. We're going to pray. Several people are going to come around and pray with you. And if you're sitting, in, if you're sitting in your seat, find someone to pray with. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.